This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Oh, here we go, boys. that sound. This is a good one. Welcome everybody to the Full Scale Outdoors Podcast. I'm Dale Luganbill. Thank you very much for joining me and welcome to this week's recap and rant. Uh, I know it's been a, a little bit since I've done one of these, but I, because I haven't had anything to recap for a while. So um, not that it was like bad outings. There just was no outings. So I literally had nothing to recap. Uh, I have stuff to recap. Yay. Uh, yeah. So this past weekend, uh, we hit the, hit the hard water as it would be. Went did some ice fishing and it's kind of our, um, Joel and I's last, pretty much kind of last fun fishing trip. We'd like to say, um, because the tournament season is quickly approaching uh, be the second our first event will be the second weekend of January and so with Christmas coming up this weekend um, we're kind of running out of time to start you know pretty much only have one full weekend which includes New Year's so that's gonna gonna change the way I party um, yeah so I, I'm gonna need to get sleep and rest and, and hit these lakes pretty hard to do some pre-fishing and scouting so we took this weekend as a, a chance to get out there and, and just fish for fun. Although if anybody that's fished with us for fun um, knows it's still a lot of work, <laughs> especially because we weren't sure of like ice conditions. So there more than likely wasn't going to be any uh, ATV assistance. We we're going to be hoofing it, you know, which, which definitely changes like where you fish. Right. Um, so Saturday we went out and we just did like a half a day morning thing uh joel had stuff to do wyatt had stuff to do 
Um, but it was fun. So we, we hit a North Metro area lake and uh, walked out. It's not too bad of a walk. Thankfully, there's not too much snow. You know, that the perfect conditions, this is what I found, the, the perfect conditions for if you have to walk out, somewhat of a catch-22, but not if you have the right equipment, is you want that nice smooth ice with like maybe an inch of snow. Because you put some snow on nice flat ice and it is slick. So you're definitely going to need a good pair of cleats, which I had. and uh, But then the, you can just load that sled down with all your equipment. And on because it's so slick, that thing just pulls across like butter. Uh, so that's pretty nice. And for the most part, those were kind of the conditions. There were some like more crusty spots that you actually had to pull it through. But even then, it wasn't that bad. But... So yeah, we did that. Headed out. Um, didn't didn't crush them by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, the spot that we went to, you know, we kind of we looked at the cam- you know looked with the camera to see who was down there. We were playing with the live scope a little bit, and it just was there wasn't um, the weed growth was different this year. So it's going to kind of be interesting. We're going to take a, a deeper look at it. Not sure how much I'll be able to revisit this body of water again uh, our our fun fishing is about over um but i suppose some you know afternoons if i have a partial day it's close enough i can make run out there anyways the, the thing will be interesting to see how the weeds progress or decrease under the ice i think that's something i've never really taken much of a look at um i do know that some weeds do continue to grow uh, even under the ice. I know a lot of people aren't aware of that. They think, you know, winter is the dead time, dead and dying weeds and stuff like that. But there are definitely changes still happening under the ice. And I'm going to go back to West Rush as an example that we fished it last year. And if anybody that fishes Rush Lake in the summertime knows it can get quite green, you know, a lot of algae, tons of milfoil, like these bays and stuff can get absolutely just choked out. And in tournament angling, we end up fishing for at least bluegills, sometimes crappie, but mostly bluegills, way shallower than you would think, you know, in the ice. I mean, most people think, you know, you go ice fishing, you're going to go to the big deep basin, and there are there is going to be fish in those basins for sure. That's why those, you know, the ice houses pop up there. You get those little villages that pop up, and they're there for a reason. It's not the only place fish live. So anyways, when we go up there and we're looking around, we will at least check to see if there's any shallow weed growth. Because if you do have shallow weed growth, nice green live weeds, um, a lot of times you'll find fish there. Not every time, but a lot of times. And that was the case that we found on Rush, that there was indeed some shallow weeds. And when we dropped the camera down there, not only were there shallow weeds, but they were vibrant, green, beautiful. I mean, not like, you know, these weren't six feet tall cabbage or coontail or anything like that, but you know, shorter weeds that you could tell were definitely growing under the ice, you know, like 100% these things are growing. So what is the actual mechanism there? I'm not sure you'd have to ask, you know, a fisheries or an aquatic manager or, or biologist or something that give you the answers. I don't, I don't have the, the science behind it. I just know what I've seen with my own two eyes. And in my mind, I think what might be happening is that they do get choked out in the summertime. So these other um, weed species uh, just they're choked out. They don't they don't have access to the sunlight, whatever. But then when those die off, and even though it's filtered light through ice and snow and everything else, they're able to just 
live and I think they do grow, you know, these shorter, I think it's, I think it's water celery. I think is the, at least the nickname of it. I don't know what the actual name of it is, but it's kind of like that single or double, it's just like a big blade of grass basically. And, uh, that, those, that was just carpeting this area, you know, and maybe that was there underneath the, the milfoil and you just couldn't see it. Um, but that milfoil dies completely goes away and it's replaced by something else. So that it does happen. Um, I don't even know what my point was to that. Doesn't matter. Anyways, there are weeds there. <laughs> so, oh, going back to the lake refish to see how it progresses. So it would be interesting to get out there and just watch this area because in times past we fished it and had really good weed growth there and the fish really liked it. And we, caught a lot and a good quality size fish in this particular spot so it would be interesting to just kind of now that it's on my radar to keep tabs on that and see how the weeds progress if they're dying back if they're actually growing what kind of weeds are growing and then how the fish adapt to that um, would just be good knowledge to have so yeah so anyways we went out and we caught some um, some decent bluegills got some some crappies um, nothing too nothing too crazy that day but it was good to scratch the itch and just get out and uh, have some definitely had some good laughs out on the water um, on the ice ice is water technically uh, and the snow also water got got water in three different stages out there because oh, the argument can be made that snow is just ice all right let's not go down that path <laughs> so then I took and so they had stuff to go we bailed on that and uh i thought well dang i didn't really want to be done um but then as i weighed the options i guess the only smart thing would just been to head back out you know get a bite to eat and then head back out in the same lake but i just didn't really feel like fishing by myself so i ended up taking a rare day uh to do absolutely nothing i got i did some binge watching uh the new um season of the witcher on netflix is out with Henry Cavill, get my dork on. I got my dork on a fair, fair amount this past week because the new uh, Spider-Man movie came out. I went and watched that. So, yeah. Um, I'm going to be exercising my dork quite a bit coming up. There's Matrix is coming out. Uh, some, there's a few more comic book movies are coming out. Yeah, I indulge in all that. So, whatever. It is what it is. <laughs> but uh, So, I didn't end up doing anything. Uh Saturday, but Sunday we had a little destination adventure in mind. We travel about two hours away, uh, fish lake. We haven't fished in probably eight years, but the last time we did fish it, Joel ended up catching an eleven and three quarter inch bluegill. So we knew we we knew that this lake had the ability to grow giants. I mean, eleven and three quarters is an exceptional bluegill. I mean, that's really big. We traveled to we we drove eight hours to the Turtle Mountains in North Dakota <laughs> in search of twelve inches. So I mean we that's the caliber of fish we were going going for. Made a giant destination trip for, and uh, didn't end up finding. But we're going back anyways because man that was awesome. I don't remember if I did a recap, but I'm sure I must have. But that trip was awesome. Turtle Mountains, the reservation up there, the people on the reservation, man, I, I can't. I can't speak highly enough of the people up there. Like I, I just fell in love with that area. It was it was awesome. It was beautiful. People are super friendly. That casino up there. If you ever get the chance, you should definitely go up there and check that casino. It, it's out in the middle of nowhere. It's not a very big casino, but it's it's great. It's a great casino. It's clean. Um, the food, when I, dude, bruh, 
the food is phenomenal. It's not just good. It's not just good for the area. It's not just good for being in the middle of nowhere. No, the food is really, really good. Um, I got, uh, actually, I think I got the same thing both nights. Everybody got the same thing both nights. Um, I can't remember what, what Jill and Wyatt ordered, but I got the uh, like tomahawk ribeye. And, oh, dude, that ribeye was bomb. Perfectly cooked. Seasoned, dude. It was so good. I was like, there's no way I'm not getting this the next day. Prices are completely reasonable. Um, and you're just like, I am in the middle of nowhere and am getting like top tier quality food. So it's Yes. Five stars would recommend. Check it out if you if you I don't I mean, if you're in that neck of the woods, you you're clearly there in some sort of outdoor adventure. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not quite sure why else you would go up there, but it's worth the trip for sure. So with that said, all right, back on track. So we go on this destination and uh, we're going <laughs> to, we bring the wheeler because we're pretty sure there's going to be, you know, we're traveling north quite a ways. And if there is ice here, there's definitely going to be ice up there. Um, get to where we want to be. And we haven't been there in a while. We're like, where is the access to this place? And one of the reasons we couldn't remember finding the access is because the last time we went there, we drove out like, legit drove out um not doing that anymore <laughs> apparently it's no motorized vehicles to the trail so we're like oh shit well i guess we got a hike on our hands pulling our sled full of gear a live scope which is not light <laughs> all our vexlars like oh my god uh it was a good workout and uh i pulled all the stuff there and back which is fine um that was i was kind of I was joking. I said I was punishing myself, but I wasn't really punishing myself. I was taking, I was taking the opportunity to get a workout in because uh, my lazy bones did not work out Friday, which I'm, I'm supposed to do. I've been pretty good, been pretty disciplined with uh, working out three times. I go Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays, and I take the weekends off. And uh, I didn't do it Friday. I meant to do it. That's when I went and I saw Spider Man. It was Friday. I was going to hit Snap Fitness on my way home, which it's like it's right there on the way, and I blew right past it without even thinking. I might have been on the phone. I don't remember. Either way, I pulled into, pulled into my drive, and I was like, oh, son of a, forgot to work out. And then I'm having that argument with me, like, just get back in the car and go do it. You know, this is that disciplined fight. Whatever that thing is you're trying to do, lose weight, work out, I don't care what your thing. It doesn't have to be you know, exercise related, but that thing that you're trying to be disciplined in, this is the the battle you have in your mind. We all know this. And so I'm having this battle and I lost that battle. I gave into it. I said, screw it. I'm not, I'm home now. I'm, I'm just home. So I'm feeling guilty that I didn't, that I didn't work out Friday, but I got a workout in, uh, yesterday, big time. <laughs> so it was at least a good, it was good cardio and it was a good leg out wor- workout for sure. Dragging it through the snow, up and over logs that are over the path, downhills, uphills. Yeah, it was a, it was a, it, it was a legit workout. So I, I don't feel bad anymore. So back on track with that. <laughs> and it was worth it. As we, I mean, fishing was a little tough. They were, there was little like bite windows that kind of came and went where the fish would kind of turn on. Um, but for the most part, they're pretty pretty finicky. You really had to work, really had to work for them. I kind of wanted to get down there and give my new Delabay Panslizzler a workout, um, spooning up some fish, but boy, they just didn't seem to want that spoon. Um, so 
back to back to my tight lining stuff. I mean, got my got my schoolie rod out, and um, uh, yeah, I mean, I did use a Delabay rod. It was uh, they they made me so last year. You know, well, they were part of the league last year, but they also donated some you know gift certificates for a free custom rod as one of the prizes in the tournaments last year Minnesota made, and uh, was able to get one of those on one event which is a really good prize. And I think that was on Maple when we did not do very well. It's like 10th place or 11th place or something. I was not happy. And somehow, because it's just like a prize table, you know, you go up like the top, I remember three get money, your top, no, top five get money. And then the next get to pick prizes, you know, first come first serve prize off this table. And thanks to all our sponsors, we get really good prizes on that table. Dell baby, one of them. And, even though we're at the tail end of grabbing stuff off the prize table, somehow these certificates for a free custom rod were still on there. So I'm not going to look a gift horse in the mouth. So I snatched that thing up and then I had them make me a tight line rod, which they did. And I love that thing. Um, quick commercial for them. They, they uh, have since because of the popularity of tight lining recently, which I think is just going to continue to grow. They have now added a tight line uh, rod to their official lineup so go check out delabay to make do the quality is top notch and the dudes are dudes are awesome too so definitely go give them a check them out anyway so i was using so i used that um and it was able to get some bites but it was real it was they were definitely finicky but it was fun that's my first real time using live scope and uh it's fun like it's it's just kind of fun Joel's giving me shakes. He's like, you're already relying on it too much. I'm not relying on it. I said, I just want to use it. It's fun. You know, normally I would just whole hop. And it's not that I didn't whole hop. I mean, I still, I think I still hopped around just as much. It's just before I would move, it kind of just made my whole hopping smarter. Because before I would make a move, I just wouldn't blindly go to a hole. I'd walk over to the live scope, pan it around, like, oh, the school's over there. And then I would go whole hop in that direction. So I didn't use it for like every single hole, but kind of, I used it to give me a direction you know, and, uh, it definitely makes you more efficient. There's, there's no doubt about that. At least getting on fish, you still got to make them bite. And you know what? I would say that yesterday was a really good example of that too. Um, these fish were not turned on, you know, by any stretch of the imagination. Like I said, they had little bite windows where we'd get flurries of activity, but just because you found the fish with live scope and like the whole school, that didn't mean anything. You still had to get those fish to bite. And, it took some coaxing for sure. And all yesterday also would have been a really good, and I didn't take advantage of this as I'm pretty stubborn. Um, I'm a, I'm a plastics fisherman. I like my plastics. Um, why it's not hundred percent. He, he uses plastics too, but he also always has live bait and he was using waxies yesterday and he was for sure catching more fish than Joel and I, and would have been a really good time to, to take advantage of that and go, okay, I'm going to switch over to live bait and see if it makes a difference because there's a lot of nuance. There's a lot of stuff going on there. It's, it's not always just what color is using. Is it bait? Is it whatever? It could be everything from the size the jig is using, the shape of the jig is using, the color the jig is using, type of line he's using, his jigging cadence for sure. That's going to play a big, how he reads those fish and interacts with those fish. You know, there's a lot of elements that go into why one person is catching more fish than anybody else. So, but it would have been interesting to try it again because I've done it in the past. And one of the reasons I st I'm stubborn and I stick to my plastics is during times where fishing is really tough, 
or I can't seem to get bit on plastics, and I have gone to meat, I haven't seen a marked difference. And so basically, if it's a tough day of fishing with plastics, it's just a tough day of fishing, regardless of what you're using. But because he was catching a substantial amount more, I probably should have just at least tried it and see if my bite ratio went up a little bit. It would have been would have been a good experience. And nothing on the line, you know, because it wasn't a tournament. We are just fun fishing. It would have been a perfect time to kind of exercise that. Um, but I didn't do it because I'm stubborn. And I just stuck with my plastics. <laughs> and my ego got in the way. I'm like, I should be able to get these things to go on plastics. Yeah, so sometimes we have to get out of our own way. But anyways, there's that. <laughs> but, yeah, we caught, um, we caught quite a few real quality gills in that, you know, upper nine inch range. Um, some decent crappies, I think giant, I think we had, you know, some 12s, something like that. But there is also a fair amount of like, um, like 10 plus, 10 plus gills and even one 11 that we measured one right at 11. And somehow all three of us managed to not bring our catch boards. And we did bring our digital scale with us, but that was left in the vehicle. Uh, so we, thankfully, Wyatt still had a little, like, reg, just a little tiny tape, actual tape measure. And so we were able to measure some of the, the bigger ones just to see. But um, real quality fish. And it's nice to see that that lake is, is doing well. Hopefully, uh, I'm, I'm not, do not ask me. I'm not going to tell you. Because uh, this lake, this particular lake could easily get fished out. Easily. If... uh word got out too much <clears throat> i do think it's going to help now that this is a the trail in is uh no motorized vehicles and it's not a short walk it's not an easy walk so that's that's going to keep the riffraff down uh quite a bit so that's good uh so anyways this sounds a lot of fun so now on uh here on out uh that's pretty much our last fun fishing event uh weekend for the year like I said, the first uh, tournament event is the second weekend of January, so it's on. It's on like Donkey Kong as far as uh, tournament fishing goes. Now, my free time is going to be carved out for pre-fishing and scouting and breaking down these lakes and uh, really going to hit it hard this year. was not happy with our finish. We finished outside the top 10 last year. I'm not okay with that. Um, so, yeah, we're going we're gonna to get after it this year. Um, hit it hard that's that's my plan i don't want to leave anything on the lake um a lot of those tournaments last year and i got nobody to blame we have nobody to blame but ourselves you know there's times when we went back to weigh in and you start talking to people like oh we found our fish over there it's like damn we didn't even look over there there's an entire section of the lake that we never stepped foot on and that's on us there's no reason behind it we just didn't we bottom line we didn't do the work you know there was there was question marks on that lake and you just can't do that. You can't do that in this league. It, the, the competition's just too stiff. There's just too good of anglers to just casually do that. You, bottom line, just can't do it. So I'm going to take my, hopefully take my same discipline that I've been using for consistently working out, and I'm going to apply that to breaking down these lakes. And uh, oh, don't worry, I'm still going to have fun. I'm still going to choke. still going to play around. But um, with the, you know, have fun in the league because that's what our league is about. But I do... I'm when it's just me and the elements, I'm going at it like it's my job because it is my job. So you can look forward to that. All right, there's your recap uh, for my rant. I want to talk about um, so something that's been a term that's been coming up, um, 
and, and maybe it's been out there for a while in terms of fishing with bass fishing or walleyes or whatever it might be, but this kill tournament um, nickname or label or whatever, I'm starting to, you, you get on some of these forums online and Facebook or whatnot, and you get a lot of these these locals or your weekend warrior fishermen that they're, it, it's becoming a pejorative. They're using it as definitely, it, when when someone says kill tournament, they're generally not speaking fondly of tournament anglers. And I get, I get the perception. I, I get it seems, you know, we show up to their favorite lake, there's 30 teams, 60 guys. We all tear off with the best equipment you can get, um, refined techniques, seasoned anglers, and we're taking a lot of fish out of that lake. That is, that is, that is not a lie. However, when you look at the overall big picture, you know, and there's a reason we don't fish like small, smaller bodies of water. You know, we try to stay to bigger bodies of water. Uh, one, we just, it's no fun fishing on top of each other. And two, it's how do you break down a large chunk of water to see what people, you know, these different teams go out and see what they do. You get to see at weigh in, you know, what happens and you talk to them. And it's a great way to, to learn more, to build your skill set for sure. Um, and three, you know, there's less pressure on the overall fishery because it's a, a large amount of water. But anyways, most of the people that I know in these tournament anglers, when they're, they're pre-fishing and scouting, just as I got, just got done talking about, I'm not keeping fish. I mean, I'm not even really fishing that much a lot of times. I'm doing a lot of camera work. And now that we have live scope, I'm going to be doing a ton of live scope. And I'm just going to be studying these fish. I'm not even really going to be fishing for them. I mean, when it comes to like basin fish, I'm going to have to catch a couple just to kind of size check them, you know, and, and see if, you know, if this school is the, the right size that I want to go after or, what, or whatnot. But I'm releasing those fish. They're going right back. Why would, I want, why would I want to keep a fish that I want in my bag on tournament day? You know, so we're releasing those fish. Most tournament anglers I know don't keep fish that often. And if they do, they keep a handful, just enough for a meal. We're not the go out, keep a limit kind of mentality. That, that's the difference. And so I can see on the outside looking in how it might look like we're just whacking all these fish and we're putting this big dent in the local population. But honestly, we're not. Like You compare it to, I guarantee if you did a study, and I'm sure if a guy wanted to jump into the interwebs and really dig deep, he could find the information. Like how many fish are taken out of you know this body of water or statewide harvested versus how many Fish are harvested total pounds by tournament anglers, and I guarantee you that it is going to be a fraction of a fraction done by tournament anglers. And listen, I see, I, 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 if you're not a tournament angler and you're listening to this and, and you're pissed off, I get it. I, I, I get the optics of it, and here I am, a tournament angler. Oh, you're just trying to make excuses. And I'm not, though. If you, if you stop and you look at it, you, you would see it. And to the point that as a league, as a whole, yeah, we're talking about ways to to do it uh, more conservation-minded. Um, can we release some of these fish? You know, the one year when we fished Mazaska, they actually made kind of like a big live well kind of a pool, drilled it out, and they were throwing those fish in there. I don't know how many of those made it. Maybe maybe some of them did. I mean, I guess, and I guess some is better than none. You know, they kind of left them there. The ones that were swimming good, they released, and the ones that weren't, took them home. Um and we've talked about doing like a catchway release, but the logistics of that, at least right now for Minnesota Made, it's just not, it just can't really do it. Because just like MLF, 
you're going to have to have you you have to have a marshal or a judge for every team that weighs it because you know you hate to say it but uh, shenanigans you just open the door for shenanigans and tomfoolery and for cheating i mean if you that's why you have to have you'd have to have a third party a neutral third party that's weighing every one of these fish and and writing it down and immediately releasing those fish but the problem with that is and anybody knows you get on a hot ice bite you're going to take time to stop and weigh that fish and put it back like you want to just keep fishing you got to take advantage of that school you know a lot of times you're dealing with pods of let's say you're base fishing you get pods of crappies that come in ones onesies twosies and three packs you know like you want to get back down there and try to snag two out of that three pack you don't just want one you know um and you don't sit there and take time to to measure fish and write it down and initial it okay but you you do that you do anything other than throw that fish on ice or in your bucket and put your jig back down you're missing out you're missing out on those fish 100 percent so it, the logistics of it aren't that great. We've talked about what if somebody catches a true giant. Let's say during an event someone catches a 16-inch crappie. You know, no, and to the point, there ain't a one of us that wants to keep that fish and put a knife to it. Like, that sucks. Um, and we've, we've kind of agreed league-wide, like, as a whole, it's like, okay, if you catch an exceptional fish like that, give Jake a call. He'll run out with the scale, and we'll weigh it and let that fish go but he's like do not call me with 12s or even 13s you know we're talking about truly exceptional fish some of us are now looking at and i did this last year i have a cooler and not just a little cooler i have a giant cooler like one of the big daddies (laughs) and i got one of those racks those receiver hitch racks and it fits in there and i have that strapped to my wheeler when that thing's full of water it's a lot of weight and it's starting to bend so i I gotta have to reinforce that i gotta come up with something this year but anyways um, I started doing that and throwing my fish in there and it works really, really good. The vast majority of my fish, I think I could let go and I haven't cause I'm like, well, that's still, they're sloshing around in there as I'm driving around the lake. I still feel like the fish should be stressed. Are these fish ultimately going to live or am I, they're going to swim away and just die later? You know, that's kind of the argument. Um, but a good example, I don't think that that's the case is when we were fishing rush last year it was 25 below zero super cold caught our fish i put them in in that cooler um not only am i not worried about my buckets freezing which happens on days like that when we were just using buckets because we had a really cold day i think the first year i was in the league we fished maple and it was like that and the fish fins are starting to freeze to the side and it was bad and basically had my little pullover portable not for me to use it but to have the heat in there and have my bucket of fish in there so they just they didn't freeze solid by the end of the day so this was one you know that cooler keeps it from freezing keeping your fish healthier and uh, you know you're going to get more you should get more weight you're definitely not losing a couple grams because your fins ripped off the side of the bucket but a healthier fish is going to weigh more you would think in theory anyways been meaning to do a side-by-side kind of you know bucket versus cooler and see what happens but i haven't done that anyways i've been using this cooler and on that tournament day went and weighed our fish brought them home uh, kept the water in there i didn't want to you know i wasn't going to I didn't want to clean them that night. I knew I was going to be, I had something to do. I knew I was going to be tired or whatever. I was like, I'll do them tomorrow. I have nothing going on that next Monday. I'll clean tomorrow. So I just left the cooler outside, 25 below zero. Probably got colder than that that night. And when I went to them the next day, there was probably three-quarters of an inch ice on the top of the water in the cooler. And 80% of those fish 
were still swimming around in there. So that gave me the confidence that 100%. So this year, I will take the strongest swimmers in that cooler at the end of the tournament, and I'm letting them go. They're going right back in the lake. So the whole point of all this is that I can see outside looking in that these tournaments, whether it be these panfish tournaments, a walleye tournament, bass tournaments, whatever the thing may be, and you're looking at these tournament fishing fishermen and you're angry, you think they're ruining your resource, uh, we're really not. Um, I can see that we might bring, you know, if you had like a secret honey hole or something, a, a lake you really liked and suddenly there's a tournament on it, you know, they're there for a reason because the fishing's good. Okay, I will acquiesce to we did spotlight that lake. You might get a little more traffic to and from that lake, but you're not getting tournament traffic to and from that lake. You're getting your everyday fishermen with a wide range of skill level, and just because they're fishing, it doesn't mean they're catching. It doesn't mean they're taking limits out of it. And if I'm being brutally honest, it's the locals. You know, it's the ones that fish the same body of water week in and week out, week in and week out. They're your catch fishermen. They're the ones they're, you're keeping fish almost every time. You keep an eater fish, you're keeping it. And, uh, you know, I, I'm sure a ton of people are guilty of this, but in Minnesota, your possession limit is your daily limit. And if you have crappies in your freezer, you don't get to keep a full limit of crappies. I mean, I know you do. I know most people still do. Um, and the DNR is not going to, like, investigate every single one of those. And, you know, they do catch some ones that are grossly over limit. You know, you catch wind of somebody just taking buck, catches a bucket, leaves, goes back, catches another bucket, leaves. Yeah, that you're going to definitely raise some awareness. And they have busted people that have had hundreds of fish in their freezer. And they're still going back and getting more. Those are the people you need to worry about. It's not us tournament anglers. We might be bringing more attention to your lake, but we're definitely not killing it. We're definitely not ruining it. It's not in our best interest to do so. Why would we want to do that? As tournament anglers, we all like to see bigger bags come to the scales. We want that lake to, to be the best version of that lake possible. Um, as a recreational angler, a non-tournament angler, you're going to benefit from that. You know, the, your, your fish will get better. And so I would challenge you to maybe not keep fish every time you go out. You know, go out and enjoy the fight. The tug is a drug, man. Like, you don't have to. And if you do, and I'm not the first person to bring this up, you know, selective harvest. If you want to keep some fish, great, keep some fish. But you don't have to keep the giants. You know, I had people, you know, we're releasing these nice crappies yesterday, big bluegills, and I had people on my snap story go, you're letting all those go those nice that's a nice that's a nice fillet right there yeah i mean technically it is but i have no interest in putting a knife to a 13 inch plus crappie or for sure a 10 10 inch bluegill but that's a rare fish you know and the reason you're not the reason they're rare is because nobody lets them get that big i mean i think the the perfect eating size bluegill in my my opinion is like you're eight and eight and halves a, that's a great, great bluegill fillet. Your crappies, your 11s and, you know, 11, I think is like perfect. But 11 to 12, that's a that's actually a pretty good chunk of meat. And I'd even catch, you know, I'd even keep 10-inch crappies. But you keep those slightly, not super dinky ones, but you keep that mid-range size. If you're going to eat some, keep those. And know what you can eat. You know, I know for me, 
I don't even need to keep a full limit of crappies. If I if I'm looking at 11 inch crappies, I only really need probably four. That's eight good sized fillets. I'm not eating much more than that. Especially I'm making potatoes or something else with it. I'm just eating fish. Maybe I could eat a couple more, but there's no way I personally can eat a, a limit in one sitting. It's just so. Then I'm putting that in that freezer, and now I'm running back into that thing I just brought up. If I got four crappies in the freezer, I don't get my full limit. You know, some of these now some of these limits have uh, these lakes have you know experimental regulations on them where the limit is five or ten. So if I'm on a if I'm on a five fish limit lake and I have four crappies in the freezer, well, I could keep one <laughs> legally. You know, I mean, and but I, dude, I'm telling you, I fish all all winter long, and Almost the only time I keep fish is tournament day. And now that's probably going to go down. And maybe I'll keep some. Maybe I do still want a, a meal and a, on a tournament. But I probably won't do it on a tournament because those are going to be your bigger, better-than-average fish that I'm going to want to let go anyways. And so maybe maybe when I'm pre-fishing scouting, if I want a meal, you know, maybe I'll catch four, keep four or five crappies for myself when I'm out fishing. But again, I'm not going to be keeping the ones that I want for the tournament day. I'm not going to be keeping those... 12 pluses I'm not going to be keeping those nine plus inch bluegills i'm going to keep eights eight inch bluegills i'm going to keep 11 inch crappies i'll keep enough for a meal the rest are going back so a point being when you're looking at these kill tournaments and they get a lot of hate and shade gets thrown on them online it's just it's not founded in reality yes some fish are being killed there's no doubt about that but big picture overall the one day these anglers are out there keeping fish pales in comparison to the people that bang that lake weekend in and weekend out, not just in the winter, but in the summer too. Same people that are going to hit there in spring when those fish are in the shallows or those bluegills or crappies are spawning, and they're out there just smashing them and keeping them. So you don't need – the threat isn't outside. The threat is internal. So – that's all I got for you this week. Um, got a really good guest coming up um, this week, and we talked. Uh, we hit some of these same. You might hear some duplicate stories from this. Um, so they kind of came up when I was talking to him. Uh, but it's Steve Panaz, probably know him, uh, Minnesota Fishing Hall of Fame member, uh, huge personality. He's been in outdoor media since the late '80s, uh, doing it for a long time. Magazines, TV shows. He's got a podcast now. Um, really, really good stuff. It was a good conversation. So you look forward to that. And, uh, yeah, my uh, coming up, I, I still want to get, I mean, goose hunting is still going on. I might try to, see, that's tough. That's tough for a tournament angler. I don't want to give up any time, but yet I still want to do some goose hunting and, and do some other things. I never did I never did tag a deer. I mean, I still kind of want to go out and get a deer. So still got a lot of stuff on my plate. Um no rest for the weary it's gonna be busy but <laughs> all right everybody thanks for listening i appreciate each and every one of you whatever your passion pursue it full scale 